You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. with these people. My heart goes out for them and I, my, my, my soul cries for them and I want to help them in the worst way. But what can I give them that's real? What, that, what can I give them that's true? What can I give them that's lasting? I can give them the Word of God. I can give them the love of Jesus Christ. I can go up and put my arm around them and say, I'm sorry. I can go up and put my arm around them and listen to their story and pray with them and give them hope through the only hope that there is, Jesus Christ. Some churches forego the gospel for the sake of meeting the immediate physical needs of the people. While providing people with that assistance is a good thing, as Pastor Dave explains in today's message, those needs are only temporary. The gospel meets an eternal need, and it is far more important than any earthly resource you can provide. Now here's Pastor Dave in the book of Acts chapter 17, as he continues his message, Paul and the Philosophers of Athens. Remember what happened to the prophet Jeremiah? Jeremiah 20, verse 9. But his word, God's word, was in my heart like a burning fire shut up in my bones. I was weary of holding it back. I could not. See, God had given Jeremiah a message. He had given a message that he had to tell the people that day. Folks, God has given us a message. He has entrusted us with a message. It's called the gospel of Jesus Christ, and we know it to be the power of God to salvation. Let us not be apathetic to the things of God. Many of you might have a burning desire to help those who are affected by the storm. This is good, and we should make every opportunity to do so. We should be collecting blankets. We should be collecting food. We should be collecting items that they need. But we should also be thinking of ways that we can demonstrate God's love. Demonstrate God's love in a way that they will understand, that they will grasp, because this is what they need more than comfort, more than anything. They need God's love. We got to help those that are hurting. We got to show God's love in time of devastation. We have what they are seeking. We have it. The keys to eternal life. They're hurting because they've lost everything and their pain is real. And as I said, they could rebuild. Some of them have rebuilt. Some of them have rebuilt multiple times. I'll never forget when Calvary Chapel was meeting over in the village of Rio Grande, I came to speak. And I spoke on, I even forget what the topic was, but there was a couple in there. And they came to me, and and they said the message was so profound to them because they had just lost everything they had along the Delaware River. Sometimes the Delaware River floods pretty high, and those people lose things and stuff like that. And then they looked me in the eye and goes, you don't understand, this is the third time we've rebuilt in the last so many years. Every time they rebuild, a flood comes and takes it away. I empathize with these people. My heart goes out for them, and my, my, my soul cries for them, and I want to help them in the worst way. But what can I give them that's real? What, that, what can I give them that's true? What can I give them that's lasting? I can give them the Word of God. 
I can give them the love of Jesus Christ. I can go up and put my arm around them and say, I'm sorry. I can go up and put my arm around them and listen to their story and pray with them and give them hope through the only hope that there is, Jesus Christ. That's what I think we're called to do. This is what Paul was feeling that day when he saw all those idols. When he looked around and saw all those idols, Paul was beside himself, and there was this fire that built up inside him, and he had to speak. He had to speak. Even if the other guys weren't there, he had to speak. So he goes into the synagogue, and we read in the next verse, Therefore he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and with the Gentile worshipers, and in the marketplace daily to those who happened to be there. Paul first goes to the synagogue to reason with the Jews. He begins to dialogue with them. He explains to them and demonstrates to them that Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is the one true living God. But not satisfied the results there in the synagogue, Paul goes to the marketplace. It's called Agora in Greek. The marketplace where, where there are places for everybody to speak. You can go to the market. It's kind of like Hyde Park in London. You go to Hyde Park and all you got to do is take your soapbox, put it down, stand up, and you can start speaking to anybody who listens. That's the way this place was in Athens, the Agora. Anybody who wanted to speak could come there and speak and you could get an audience. Several groups of philosophers meet him there and they confront him and they start to debate with him. Look at verse 18. Then the Epicureans and the Stoic philosophers encountered him. And some says, what does this babbler want to say? Others said, he seems to be a proclaimer of foreign gods because he preached to them Jesus and the resurrection. Paul goes to the marketplace and he's confronted by these two competing philosophical groups. They're competing for the love of the people. Their wisdom, my wisdom's better than your wisdom. My wisdom's better than yours. They're competing against each other, wanting people to follow them. We have the Epicureans and the Stoics. The Epicureans believed that everything happens by chance and then death is the end of all things and extinction, there's no afterlife. They believed there were gods, but those gods have absolutely nothing to do with the world. But basically, they were practical agnostics who believed that pleasure was the chief end of man and that a simple lifestyle was most pleasurable. Basically, they were the eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die people. Woohoo! We're all going to die anyhow. Go out with a bang. I'm sure you don't know anybody like that. The Stoics, on the other hand, were pantheists. Everything was a God. They believed that everything was a God. And what happened to them was according to their destiny. Consequently, they sought a life of apathy and detachment from the world. A fatalistic resignation. They just kind of withdrew from everything because it's going to happen, it's going to happen anyhow, we're all going to die. These two philosophies represented the popular pagan alternatives for dealing with the plight of humanity apart from Christ. Epicurean, a simple lifestyle. Their motto, enjoy life. Stoicism, apathy. Their motto, endure life. Both these groups were highly intelligent. They were great thinkers, but they lacked any knowledge of the one true living God. That's the knowledge they lacked. They called Paul a babbler. Basically, it means taking someone else's words and using them as your own. You're a babbler. You're just repeating things. Someone who peddles the original idea of someone else. They thought he was preaching about foreign gods because he mentioned Jesus and the resurrection. And the Greek word for resurrection, Anastasius. So they thought it was the name of a god. They thought he was preaching two different gods here. Foreign gods, that's what they asked. Neither of these groups believed in eternal life, 
So this was very interesting to them. This was something that they haven't known and have never heard and they wanted more. This is a good thing. This is a good thing that they wanted more. What did Paul preach to them? We know. Paul preached Christ and Christ crucified. Paul preached Christ and the resurrection. That's what Paul preached. He preached the gospel. That was the message that was on Paul's lips. That was the only message Paul would preach. Look at verses 19 through 21. They took him and brought him to the Arago Palace, saying, May we know what this new doctrine is of which you speak. For you are bringing some strange things to our ears. Therefore, we want to know what these things mean. For all the Athenians and the foreigners who were there spent their time in nothing else but to tell or to hear some new thing. Paul had gotten their attention. And they wanted to know more, so they took him to this place, Areopagus. It's called Mars Hill. It's a place where the philosophers hung out. You want to go where the philosophers hang out? Go to Mars Hill. Yeah, you'll meet all the philosophers there. All the wise guys hang out there. They're all there, yeah, having tea, snapping their fingers when somebody speaks, you know. Kind of like a beatnik day. I don't know what it was. But in Mars Hill, they had a council for education and religion, and they discussed thoughts daily. Listen to what John Corson says about this place. Whenever a new religious thought was profounded, it had to clear the council of education and religion. A fascinating piece of information here is that the Athenians, supposedly the smartest men in history from the world's perceptive, said religion and education are inseparable. How about that? Don't see that much today. The Athenians and the foreigners who who were there spent their time in nothing else but wanting to find out something new. They were dissatisfied with the life as if they had, and they would do anything to escape reality. Any fans of Ironside? H.A. Ironside said this. He's quoted as saying this. If it's new, it's not true. If it's true, it's not new. Think about that. What the Athenians were searching for, and sadly, what some people still search for is constantly a novel truth, a new understanding, a new spiritual awakening, a new revelation from the Lord. Somebody comes running to you and says, I got this brand new revelation from the Lord, and he gave it to me. Oh, it's not in the scriptures, it's a part. You would better run for the hills, because they're speaking false. There's nothing new under the sun, it says in Ecclesiastics. There's nothing new that hasn't been written in God's word. It's right here. How come so many people are constantly searching tapes, constantly searching CDs, books, listening to people on the radio, wanting that new thing? What's that new thing that we can follow after? Hence, you got what happened in Brownsville. Let's all get on our hands and knees and howl at the moon. God says we should. Woohoo, let's do that. And while we're at it, let's laugh uncontrollably. The Toronto blessing, and millions upon millions of people ran up to Toronto to be blessed with this blessing. And then they went to Brownsville, and then they went here, and then they went there, and then they went there. Always looking for the new deal, the new thing. If you haven't read this, it's new to you. But there's nothing new here. This is God's word, penned by the Holy Spirit. This is our manna from heaven that he's given to us. This is a choice prime rib steak. This is a choice meat, the choices of cuts. Why do we settle for garbage? Why do we settle for garbage? 
There's nothing new under the sun. It was Chuck Smith. When I read Chuck Smith, he said this, nothing's really more discouraging than to think you've come up with a new inspiration and a revelation from God. Oh, this is great. No one's ever seen this before. Oh, what an understanding. And then you pick up some old commentary written with one of the saints back in 1849, and he says the same thing you just discovered. There's nothing new, folks. There's nothing new. The Apostle Paul predicted that people would not endure sound doctrine in 2 Timothy 4, verses 1 through 4. I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. Is that what you're looking for? You're looking for fables? Are you looking for a song and dance people, a, a comedic show? Are you looking for something new, some new pleasure? I have dear friends that I fellowship for a long, long time who all they do is run over here. Oh, the blessing's going to be here tonight. Oh, the blessing's going to be there tonight. And they run all over the place looking for the blessing. Didn't we study in Ephesians that God has given us every blessing? God has given us every single blessing in Christ Jesus. Didn't we read that? Why do I need to be looking for another blessing when I've already got the best that God can give? Preach the word. Why? Because it's the true word. It's the true wisdom of God. It's the word of God that inspires. The word of God changes our lives. It makes us new. So we preach the word because we're preaching the wisdom of God. I don't preach me. You don't want to know what I have to say. You want to know what God has to say. God's word is so much more important than my word. God's word has everlasting life. God's word has meaning because it's truth. It's powerful. Why is there so little preaching of God's word in the pulpit today? We have all kinds of preaching on psychology. We have all kinds of preaching and all other kind of stuff and novelty things. Every little fad that, that comes along. The gospel in Tom Petty. The gospel in Coldplay. Next thing you know, it's going to be the gospel in the who. I might go to that. No, that's not true. They're taking the world and they're bringing it into Christianity and saying, here it is. They're trying to combine the two. It doesn't work, folks. It doesn't work. Why do we always have to listen to the word of God? Because it's the truth. And because it's the power to salvation. Because the word of God that gives life. It's the word of God that regenerates your life. It's the word of God that restores you. It's the word of God that forgives you. It's the word of God that helps you to grow. That's why we teach the Word of God. That's why we'll always teach the Word of God. I don't care if one person is sitting in here. We're going to teach the Word of God. That's what we do. That's what we've been called to do. Paul says, I charge you before God and before Jesus Christ, Timothy, teach the Word of God. Paul then said, we don't preach ourselves, but Christ crucified. We're his servants, so preach the Word. We must keep focus on God's word because man, by his instinct nation, doesn't want to hear God's word. Man, instinctively, doesn't want God's revelation. He doesn't want to hear from God. I'd rather hear what I want to hear because my ears itch. I want to hear that. Tickle my ears. Oh, that sounds plausible. I'm not a sinner. I like that. Yeah. Everybody's okay? Yeah. 
can't we all just get along? Sure, I like that. So I'll grab hands and sing Kumbaya. I like that. There's nothing wrong with me. Not according to God's word. According to God's word, we're all sinners. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. We're all destitute without him, going to a place they call hell, of eternal damnation. And one of the things worse about hell, it's not the fire, it's not the brimstone, it's not all the things, it's separation from God forever. How long forever is? It's a long time. Commentator Clark says this, Men have endless curiosity and insatiable desire for variety, and they get their ears tickled with the language and accent of the person abandoning the good and faithful preacher for the fine speaker. That makes me laugh. I'm going to go see him. He's funny. This is the attitude that the Athenians had. They had itching ears, always wanting something new. And sadly, it's an attitude of many today. It's the attitude of many today. I read this crazy quote. It said, Christianity has produced some of the world's finest and greatest minds. Some of her doctrines are fascinating for intellectual exercise. But to take them seriously? To base one's life on them? Surely you cannot be serious. We need to take the Word of God seriously. We need to protect the Word of God in our hearts. We need to take it seriously. We can't be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine being children of the word, as Paul told the Ephesians in chapter 4, 11 through 16. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried away by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men and the cunningness, craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love, we may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together that by every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth to the body for the edifying of itself in love. Wow. That's what we do. It's for our edification that we study the Word of God. It's for our being built up in His Word so we know how to live, so we know how to walk, so we don't get thrown away by the wind of doctrine, so we don't start to think, well, you know, how at the moon's not such a bad idea. So we didn't go get tossed to and fro by these wild doctrines that you hear on TV and all this stuff. If you're not mature, you become a target of a deceiver. If you're not mature in your walk, you become a target of deception. You easily fall for the lie. Because I can twist the truth just a little bit to make it sound plausible. But then I know all of you who heard last week's message, you go right to your Bible and look at it because you're Bereans, right? I know that. Because that's your job. That's your responsibility. And I know you'll do that. These cunning, crafty guys who operate on deception, trickery, they lie and wait to deceive someone. Like they're, they're like landmines. <laughs> they're, they're just out there landmines, and we have to walk around being ever so careful to dodge the landmines because if we step on The ancient Greek word for tossed to and from, believe it or not, is the same word used to describe the stormy sea of Galilee in Luke 
being tossed to and fro. We can wrongly value movement over growth. Mere movement is being tossed to and fro, but God wants us to grow up. God wants us to be mature. He wants us to grow up in the Word. The tricker of men, the words refer to arts used by gamesters who imply false dice that would always throw up one kind of number, which is that which we, we, we play we never can win. Running after spiritual fads will always make one a loser. Paul was the ultimate Christian philosopher, if I may say that, because he loved the wisdom of God. Paul loved the wisdom of God. The true Christian philosopher doesn't pussyfoot around with the truth or error. He's bold. He's uncompromising. He doesn't praise the proponents of human philosophy, but he exposes the errors. He exposes them for what they are. One early Christian philosopher sees it this way, was Tertullian. He wrote, what has academy to do with the church? What has Christ to do with Plato, Jerusalem with Athens? The true Christian philosopher has no more to do with human philosophy than Christianity has to do with Islam or Satanism. We can't buy into human philosophy. Truth is utterly incomparable with error. The true Christian philosopher will see this and not pretend otherwise, even when he's seeing and trying to convince others of the truth. So what is true Christian philosophy if there is such an animal? The Christian's philosophy then is both positive and negative. It demolishes the pretensions of man's philosophy and puts God's wisdom and truth in its place. It takes away what man thinks and puts what God thinks first. What God thinks is better than what man thinks. There's a way that seems right to a man. You know where that leads. It answers the great questions and tells us how to live. It guides us for, for man how to think about himself because all man is real involved in is himself. Me, me, me. But the Bible is sure God to help man to rightly think about himself and his position and his maker. It's the only true philosophy because it comes from the wisdom of God. It's the truth which man in his sin rejects, according to Romans 1. But it's the truth which corrects and converts the heart. It's the truth that provides the heart with the transplant it needs so desperately so that we might know God and we might know his wisdom. Don't settle for less than the truth. Remember our quote, Christianity is not a philosophy of life, but it's life lived in the presence of the almighty holy God. That's what true Christianity is. And that's what I encourage you to be a part of the truth. Seek after God and his wisdom, for the man's wisdom will always lead you to destruction. It will always lead you down the path of destruction. But God's truth is eternal, and God's truth will last forever. Wouldn't you rather have steak than garbage? Our time with you is running short for today's edition of A Sure Hope. Pastor Dave will continue this journey through the book of Acts when you join us next time. But for now, you can listen to this teaching and others from this series online at assurehoperadio.com. 
we'd encourage you to download these messages so they are available wherever you are. We know how busy life can get, but there's always a time to pause, even if only for a few minutes. Those short breaks could be filled with the study of God's Word and the uncovering of treasures from its verses. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, gaining access to the latest messages as soon as they're posted. Find out more at assurehoperadio.com. If you're looking for a church family and happen to be in the Cape May area, we'd love to have you come join us for a time of worship and Bible study. Calvary Chapel Cape May meets weekly on Sundays at 10 a.m. And we offer nursery and Sunday school where your children will be well cared for as they learn about the love of Jesus. Give us a call for more information. Our number is 609-884-5821. Again, that's 609-884-5821. Thanks for listening to today's message from the book of Acts. We pray you continue to be blessed as you study the Word and that you'll discover Jesus working in your life. Pastor Dave will be back soon for another in-depth look at this New Testament book right here on A Sure Hope.